Performance Podcast from Bottomline Technologies. Regulations aimed at detecting and preventing fraud, money laundering, terrorist financing and financial crime have more than tripled in recent years. It's more important than ever that organisations are not only ensuring they're complying with these regulations, but they understand exactly what they are and the damage they can cause. If they don't, they risk huge financial penalties. I'm Rich Williams, the host of the Payments Podcast, and with me today is Suk Varia, Market Development Manager for Risk and Fraud. So Suk, I think it's probably a good place to start with an explanation of what the current challenges in the field of financial crime are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So there's a lot of challenges in financial crime, both domestically and internationally. If we look at the global picture, it's estimated that over $2 trillion is laundered every year. And in the European Union, um, the authorities estimate that only 1% of illegal funds are frozen or seized. Only 1%. So 99% of illegal funds continue to flow through the financial system. It's very complex um, in terms of combating financial crime. Crime is constantly evolving. Our perception and how we respond to crime has changed over the years. Um, and when you're legal funds are generated through legal means and you're exploiting and causing harm to others, it's a big issue for society. It impacts all of us. People think, well, this hasn't happened to me. It's not my problem. Why should I bother? Well, it's happening to a lot of people. A lot of companies are being affected. A lot of banks have been fined. And a lot of people are at the centre of suffering because of financial related activities, criminal activities. Here in the UK, serious and organised crime is costing the UK economy over £37 billion a year. Human trafficking has gone up by 37% over the last year. So that highlights the scale of the issue. um, And there is a greater need for banks, regulators, law enforcement to work to combat these hideous crimes. So you mentioned that only about 1% of these illicit funds are being seized. Why is that number so little? Yes, very good question. So I always look back at the story of Hercules. Um, In the lake lived uh, a water snake named the Hydra. And Hercules one day went out to seek out the Hydra. So he fired burning arrows to draw out the Hydra from its hiding place. Um, and then, with his sword, started cutting off the Hydra's head. And every time he cut off one head, two grew back in its place. He was only able to actually eventually take down the Hydra with help from his cousin. So in other words, he needed an ally. And this is, I think this example um, shows that societies are very similar crossroads. The fight against financial crime requires multiple players to work with each other Um, to prevent the laundering of proceeds of criminal activity. You know, if you take down one threat, two emerge in its place. Governments aren't doing enough. Um, There needs to be a greater willingness to act. If we look at the serious frauds office funding for for, for this financial year, it's only 57 million. Now, when I say only 57 million, people will think, well, hang on, well, that's quite a lot of money. Well, in terms of complex cases... um, there can be the funding required to take a company 
and prosecute a company due to breaches of uh, money laundering or sanctions or corrupt activities, there requires a huge investment and a willingness to act. So in essence, you need banks, you need more funding from the government. You need banks to be working with regulators and law intelligence agencies. And we know that there's a fractured relationship there because banks are constantly being fined by the regulators. So you're asking them to kind of build bridges and try to combat this crime as a cohesive unit and not as a standalone or a single entity. So it's interesting to think that this is all happening in the background somewhere every day and we don't really hear about all of it or even most of it. So what com- compliance breaches are happening at the moment are getting the most attention? The Danske Bank money laundering scandal. Um, it's estimated that over 250 mil- billion, not even million, billion US dollars in funds went through Danske Bank's branch in Estonia to correspondent banks in the US who were supposed to be the last checkpoint, but ultimately failed. And then illegal funds just went into the global financial system. Now, the whistleblower recently said that there's no chance in the world that any of this money is ever going to be tracked down and that criminals won't lose a single cent. A single cent of $250 billion dollars. That's, a, that's frightening to hear. So in this scandal, one of the most profitable accounts was actually a company registered in the UK, under Companies House, named British Limited Liability Partnership. This was a fake account. It was a fake company that had been set up to facilitate money laundering. Um, in the UK, far too many companies have been getting away with this. So the question begs, what due diligence does companies have perform? Well, when I look at their when I look at their annual report, they only employ 950 people. There's over 4 million companies registered in the UK. Last year alone, over 650,000 companies were set up. How do companies house even have the manpower to conduct effective due diligence on companies the shareholders, directors, and who is ultimately controlling or has significant voting rights over this corporate entity. It's a huge, huge issue. Um, Only one person has actually been prosecuted due to falsifying and filing inaccurate company information to, to the company's house. Only one person. That's shocking. And who else has been in the spotlight? Uh, There's also been JP Morgan. So they've recently settled a fine for over 5 million US dollars with the US Department of Treasury. And that was due to breaching sanctions. So they, it was a worrying case, actually. They didn't have the right or they didn't have sophisticated technology that was picking up on names, including hyphens, abbreviations, full stops. And as, as a result of that, they were, JP Morgan were fined. Now, most people will probably hear that and say, well, I'm not a big bank. I don't need to worry. I'm not a JP Morgan. But clearly, this is a big issue for a lot of banks. You have different name spelling variations on sanctions list. If you look at the UK sanctions list, you have a person by the name of Joseph Connie, 
who is the leader of uh, Lord's Resistance Army, um, a guerrilla group form, formed in Uganda. Joseph Connie has killed thousands of people in Uganda and South Sudan. He's wanted for over 12, crime, uh, 12 ca- accounts of crimes against humanity. And he appears 240 times on the UK sanctions list due to name spelling variations and about 230 different date of births. Now that's shocking. One person has 230 date of births in a sanctions list. It's potentially 240 matches for one person. How are you supposed to effectively conduct any form of screening and due diligence on him? And that's one sanctions list. What happens if you're screening against four or 10 or 15 or 20 different sanction lists? How many alerts are you gonna get? How are you gonna manage duplicates? The quality of data from the authorities is not good enough. So the big question here then, so what happens if organizations don't comply? Fines, reputation damage, CEO will most likely be fired, shareholders and directors won't be happy, share price will go down, you'll lose money. But the question is, is that a strong enough deterrent? Um, Here in the UK, you have the senior management certification regime, um, which holds senior managers personally liable and accountable for market abuse. Expect to see tougher action. Do you want to go home or do you want to go to jail? For banks, you may also have your license revoked. In Singapore, a Swiss private bank by the name of Falcon Bank had its bank status withdrawn by the authorities um, and had financial penalties imposed due to lapses in AML. There's also a question which begs around whistleblowers and incentivizing whistleblowers. So we're going to see more whistleblowing and reporting of corrupt practices. Um, Whistleblowing has been at the core of reported market abuse. And the question begs, is it more profitable to service your clients or to blow the whistle on corrupt activities? If you're a private banker, um, and I I believe there was a case in the US where a whistleblower was paid about 105 million US dollars for blowing the lid on on, on fraudulent activities. So here in the UK, um, there will probably be greater incentives for whistleblowing um, and for reporting criminal activities. So this has been hugely impactful, Suk. Thank you so much for that. And I think it's also important information for businesses to hear about. You also mentioned that the fines that companies such as JP Morgan have faced for not being compliant and the fact that it can happen to any organisation. So with that being the case, what kind of things should organisations be focusing on to stay ahead of all of this? So firstly, to ensure you have robust uh, processes, procedures and controls in place. You want to anticipate any changes in the regulatory landscape. Um, There's a lot of geopolitical fluctuations that affect sanctions law. Let me give you an example. So the the US Congress has asked the, the US Department of Treasury to provide a report on the current state of Chinese um, enforcement actions relating to sanctions in North Korea. So a list of companies, banks, officials that have been involved in trading with North Korea. Now, if sanctions are imposed, um, and I'm not saying they're gonna be, but 
these are all geopolitical fluctuations that may happen in the foreseeable future. Sanctioning any Chinese companies, well, we know that there's over 4,500 state-owned or state-controlled corporations in China. What happens if they are subject to sanctions? It becomes a compliance nightmare and a big burden for companies to perform effective due diligence. So organisations have to anticipate changes in the regulatory landscape to ensure they have the correct processes, procedures and controls to ensure those are effective, nimble, flexible and to and to really be able to um, ensure they're understanding where the risks are, how do they effectively mitigate those risks and at the same time balance risk versus profitability. Compliance, there's a huge cost to compliance. There's an even bigger cost of non-compliance. Um, we're going to see bigger fines. We're going to see more individuals held accountable, sent to jail. In order to avoid this, companies really need to ensure that there's a tone from the top of the organisation. Everyone understands their compliance obligations and you have the correct infrastructure and, and people to really manage risks in a more effective manner. Suk, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much. The Payments Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.